Okay, folks, let's begin. I'll do, let's begin. We'll begin with a bit of housekeeping as usual. I first let me be, welcome the minister, the ministers on board, uh, Shafkat Mahmood. Shafkat, uh, Minister Saab, can I begin the webinar? Jay, please, please do, please do. Thank you, thank you. Okay, so let's begin. Uh, please keep your mics muted so that we can, this is the fifth in our seminar, series of seminars, webinars. This is a round table, five day discussion that we, we've held on education. And as promised, the minister is here today to help us conclude the, uh, the fifth five day round table. Um, we will begin with a few um, you know, uh, addresses by the minister and some of his people, then we'll take other people. We always show this cartoon because this sets the condition for Pakistan, where Pakistan is hostage to the IMF and running for loans over a craggy landscape and with very little idea except for crisis management. I want to um, point out this is the fifth day of our webinar um, or our roundtable on education. We've gone through five of these sessions. You know about that. But before I do that, let me take a moment of silence to applaud or to, I said, condole Sir Ken Robinson who passed away today. We began the webinar with his, with a few words from him. Uh, Sir Ken Robinson changed many minds and he was a major educationist, so it's only uh, fitting that we have a small, let's say 30 seconds of silence for him. So ladies and gentlemen, we are coming to the, I wouldn't say conclusion or an education round table, but at least a step forward. And today we'll hear from the minister and some of his people on the path going forward. And you can see we've got a number of questions and issues that we want to talk to him about. So let's see, let's proceed quickly. Um, again, a bit of housekeeping, the number of IMF programs that we've had, we have continuous IMF programs, number of policies that we've had, we have too many policies, continuous policy making in Pakistan, almost every five years one policy, a long term growth is declining, these are things that we try and repeat because people should recognize that our long term growth is declining, our investment rate is one of the lowest in the world and we should be concerned about it, why does our investment rate not pick up and we've done a lot of work on that. We've done a series of webinars and we've learned a lot. Some of these, some of the messages are here. I will not go into them in any great detail to save time, but these are important issues and there are important things that we need to think about and learn from. This is worth looking at. It's a cartoon from 1950. And again, one of our signature cartoons because in 1950, uh, much before our time, 70 years ago, they learned that aid dependence was on the horizon and they saw yes. that the givers were saying we will be uh, aid dependent and yes, it's happened. But channel, don't know. Okay, 
The returns to education in Pakistan are much lower than the world, and this is important to bear in mind. Is it a question of labor market or bad education design? So we should think about that. Let me begin by saying I, had a, I, have, I interviewed 100 students today for our PhD and MPhil program. And I must say the state was very sad. Their expression was not great. Their reading was even worse. They don't read, they told me. Their clarity on answers was very poor. So there is something wrong with their education system and we should bear that in mind. Okay, let me summarize very quickly for the minister what we discussed. 19th, the first day, we had a very good debate, lots to discuss. The messages that we culled and we've gone over them again and again is that there's too much centralization, ideology and citizenship in our um, education policy and we should think about that. Education is an investment that students make in themselves, their own time and effort. They have an opportunity cost and they really don't want our product. They're voting with their feet. When we say they're dropped out, they're voting with their feet. So they are leaving. Education is not seen as a voluntary effort. We try and see it more as a draft that students should come in. Teaching is unrelated to student experience, almost alien to them. They are street smart. They know what they are doing, but yet we don't lever that in teaching. Uh, there's very little curiosity and creativity, and um, which is instinctive in our education. And this is what Ken Robinson talked about, but we don't really lever that in our um, then the digital, digital world, we'll talk about a lot more. Facebook and WhatsApp, illiterate people are using, but in our education system, the digital uh, method of pedagogy is very, very um, limited in use. The structure of schooling remains fixed. It's still concrete schools, regular classrooms and teaching, etc. Do we need that anymore? The Khan Academy would say no, but let's talk about that. There's considerable disagreement on the language issue. Some people say Urdu and local languages are important. Some people say, no, we should go to English and large school systems that care are thinking of are doing much more education. Diversity, experimentation and choice is missing. We must have more diversity and experiment. Policy tries to unify, not probably a good idea. What we are measuring is again, not interesting because it does not measure the students' creativity and curiosity, it's more content learning. On the 20th, we discussed the role of the government. In this, we learned that everybody wants the government to provide education, but people don't see how, and people think that the government may not have the capacity to provide the education that it should. That's why the private sector has grown up. But people thought that it was important to have decentralization and diversity, which is again, comes up again and again. But what are the instruments for the government to provide education that is not clear? 14 education policies in 70 years, that's a lot. Does the, does, does the government do any MND? No. MND is mostly donors in foreign NGOs. And that's, uh, people think that's not a great idea. Government should be doing more MND, monitoring and evaluation. Ministries are trying to run schools, uh, provincial ministries. And again, it's felt and everybody agrees it should go to the local government and there should be more diversity and competition in the schooling system. Um, sir, your uh, slides are struck, sir. Slide the stop for some reason. Okay, we'll go back. Okay. Sir, please share your slides again, sir. Thank you. Yeah, I will. Okay, so I'll leave it that, like that. Okay, so. Okay, can you see my slides now? Yeah. Yes, sir. 
on regulation everybody felt that regulation is something that needs to be done but again without mnd regulations is not possible and regulation assumed the benign all knowing government which is very difficult to do shanaz wazirli and some others came up with the idea that it should be result based management more output based management we have much more input based management because we measure dropouts and schooling experience years etc rather than outputs there is a strong minority opinion that the government should be left to um, not sorry the government should get out of the business of schooling should do much more management of schooling and let the private sector to provide services education services but as i said it's a minority opinion parent organization and local government uh, local communities are important but then in our culture they don't participate much so that's a huge problem on the 21st we talked about private public partnerships we learned that the education sector is very fragmented the private sector education is a growth industry the government has vacillated not abdicated but vacillated on education it builds institutions like like the ganesh schools like the punjab education foundation then backs off the government is losing share in the education market private sector has taken 60% in schooling quality of schooling varies with prices the high priced private schools have reasonable quality low priced private schools have grown in number there are 120000 apparently of them large number of private schools we talked to them too but they don't have the same quality of schooling so the question is social mobility remains low because who he who pays gets more quality facilities in all schools are poor because all schools are built in houses there are some purpose built schools in the rich now but most schools are built in houses there are no playground oh, yeah. extracurricular activity places a more thoughtful approach is talked about is needed teacher training remains a complex issue despite 70 years of teacher training public private partnerships are too complex for government to manage we are thinking of collaboration but what collaboration can we have there are large number of taxes on schools 24 taxes have been pointed out regulation is uh, too Complain onerous problem. so small schools are being are being kind of frozen out in fact there's a court ruling that small schools should be wiped out from houses but they have nowhere else to go so both the government and the private sector need to develop a thoughtful approach to education and more collaboration a new partnership is needed based on mne and research and that is something that everybody felt should be done on the 22nd yesterday we talked about harnessing technology and here we found the technology is a very efficient low cost no surprises everybody knows that but technology is really not just about delivering um, content over the screen it has the ability to customize individualize as ken robinson said we used to teach students in a military fashion in a in a regimented fashion now we have the ability to have customized education and as khan academy says you can flip the classroom all these things are very well known how should we do it that's the important thing we need to reimagine schooling we learned that through technology we can really deliver low cost education we can lower our cost down to hundreds of rupees per student instead of thousands of rupees per student um how can we do that we can reduce transport for example cost we can reduce tuition cost tuition costs are huge and we can reduce them if technology was used school days could be reduced use of space could be better but everybody agreed that it's not as if um, um, technology alone can do it schooling is still necessary teachers are still necessary the question is how to combine technology with teachers in schooling and how to make technology the center of schooling it allows flexibility accuracy heterogeneity students are heterogeneous it allows heterogeneity yeah. but the question is how do we do it the costs are low 
but we need to adapt technology and technology can disrupt the modern education system. Good news is there are entrepreneurs who are doing it. Bad news is that the government and larger chains are still not um, attuned to the system. The good news is small schools are buying technology to gear up. So there's a mixed set of news, but technology needs to be thought, rethought, reimagined everything. So what are the main messages of four days, Minister Saab, let me tell you. Main messages are very simple, that education, yes, is a right of the citizen, and yes, it is your duty to provide it. But now it is the public-private collaboration that's at stake, because there's a large number of private schools. There's no either or. It's not whether the government should do it or the private sector should do it. The government has a leadership role. There's no question about it. What sort of a leadership, how should it be done? And that's something that you should think about and we should talk about. Everybody agreed what is necessary is a thoughtful approach of basically reimagining the whole schooling system because technology now requires it and it's being reimagined everywhere. We discussed the Finland system too. Yes, it's being reimagined everywhere. Technology will help us. What we need is more goal-oriented control, which is more results-based management and more uh, monitoring and evaluation. More research, exploration, and experimentation is what's required. The diversity and decentralization, experimentation, competition are important. So as Mao said, let a thousand flowers bloom. So this is basically a quick rundown of what we learned in the last um, four days. With that, Minister Saab, let me welcome you and get you uh, to um, you know, take the floor now and tell us what we thought is the best thing to do is talk about how, what is the path going forward for education? How can you help us rethink education and what you're doing? I know PTI government is very committed. Prime Minister is very committed to education. Yours is an education government. You are committed to education. So the floor is yours. Thank you, Professor Nadeemul Haq. Uh, uh, very kind of you to invite me to this uh, webinar. And I have been uh, following the developments over the last four days, and I think some absolutely wonderful discussions have taken place, uh, <clears throat> which are a guidance to all of us who are in, 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 the, in, in the management of education. Um, I think that there are a huge number of issues. Uh, one of the things, first things that strikes uh, one is the fact that the government basically abdicated its responsibility as far as education was concerned over the last um, 70 years in one form or the other. And the result has been one, one of the reasons why the private sector has uh, come up in such a large way, such a big way, is because of the vacuum that was there, uh, because of lack of government, uh, um, government uh, attention to quality more than, uh, and also obviously access. So that neither there was access nor there was quality and therefore the private sector uh, came in. Uh, so we, now we are in a situation where there is uh, a large private sector, there is uh, obviously the government sector and, and within the private sector or maybe separately, there is a, a large section of religious schools which are uh, known as madarsas. So what has evolved is uh, something which is uh, almost tragic because what has evolved is that there is a kind of uh, an elite education system which has solidified. I mean, it was always there, but it's solidified uh, with the large chains of uh, uh, private schools, high, high fee paying private schools, 
which are uh, essentially uh, uh, using English as the medium of instruction, having uh, uh, having certification which come from uh, uh, from outside, and uh, so which is very different from what is happening in the rest of the country. Uh, the low fee paying private schools, the government and the entire government sector, and the madrasas they they are in their own uh, sphere. Government has its own metric, uh, etc. The the badarsas have darse nizami, and you know we have in a sense uh, uh, the class system or the money uh, differentiation which is there in our society that is also very very visible in education. So uh, and, and it has consequences, and the consequences are uh, many. But I let me sort of just only mention two. Uh, one of the consequences is that that uh, our society our uh, our higher education system our government language our language of the courts our language of the uh, of uh, corporations and so on is all you know revolving around english so those who go through a certain class of uh, a certain kind of education have a leg up for their entire life uh, within within the country and everybody else uh, which is a large number of uh, People uh, are just catching up, so there is a, an inbuilt uh, uh, lack of justice uh, in the system of education that has been divided into three parts. Also, uh, there is there are other consequences. Uh, I always say that uh, for a young child uh, from a madrasa and a young child from an elite public school, uh, elite private school, if you make them sit in one room, they won't even be able to talk to each other. So this sort of uh, lack of uh, communication, lack of un uh, common understanding of issues, I think has had consequences. And without going into too much detail, uh, we've suffered over the last 15, 20 years uh, through a conflict within our society. And I'm not saying it was only due to these, uh, these differentiations, but they certainly contributed to, because if your perceptions are different, if you look at reality differently, and as you and I and all of us who are, uh, who had the benefits of an English school education? When we sit uh, uh, in our private gatherings and we, you know, in our social gatherings, the kind of things that we say about uh, those who uh, are, um, you know, preaching something entirely different, uh, you and I know about that. So you know, there is a huge gulf uh, that separates uh, different communities in the country. So I, I, I guess, uh, apart from the other fact, the problems that are. Our schools are uh, poorly funded. Our schools are uh, the, the the teachers are not properly trained, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. The curriculums don't match each other. Uh, so you know we we are confronting I mean huge problems and what and we are not even talking about higher education and quality in higher education, uh, with the kind of uh, uh, the kind of product that we are producing. So uh, as as a government, as a federal government, as you know that we have limited. Uh, 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 kind of mandate as far as education is concerned, but we took the lead. And uh, one one area where we had to take a lead was when COVID uh, hit us. So we uh, re-energized our interprovincial education ministers' conference to take all sorts of decisions relating to education, uh, things like uh, closures, things like exams, passing exams, etc. Yeah, and we've done it very well. But also before that, we already started a collaborative exercise and in this uh, collaborative exercise we had decided uh, and it was part of the PTI 
manifesto also, we had decided that uh, we can't equalize everything. In fact, that might take 50 years and may still not happen because we've seen even in the best parts of uh, Europe and America that no school district is similar. So uh, one can't create uniformity in that sense, but at least you can try. But on the other hand, we, we've made a serious attempt at uh, trying to uh, address one of the issues and which is uh, trying to have a uniform curriculum, which applies to all schools in Pakistan, which is whether they are uh, English medium, whether they are Urdu, uh, you know, government, low fee pranks, uh, or madrasas, everybody to have this uh, same curriculum. So this has been a collaborative exercise done with the provinces, done with the Zad Kashmir, GB, we had a, a tried to get all sort of sections of society uh, involved in it. Uh, we obviously consulted practitioners, people who were directly handling education at the grassroots level. We put our uh, effort on our website. Anybody can go and have a look at it. In fact, what is interesting is, at least to my mind, for the first time, there a serious debate uh, has started in the country, uh, more in the and over here also, you sometimes see a class divide with Urdu press supporting what we are uh, parts of the curriculum and some people in the English uh, newspapers arguing against some aspects of the curriculum. But it's a, it's a good thing that this debate has started and we are, uh, we are learning from the debate. And in fact, in some areas where we, uh, we discussed in our National Curriculum Council, in some things we have changed our mind also regarding, for example, uh, regarding uh, the same kind of textbooks for all schools. We've changed our mind on that. We are preparing a model textbook, but uh, it'll be, um, uh, it'll be um, the provinces will, may choose to use that and the private schools may choose to use something else if they wish, as long as the curriculum outcomes, the, the student learning outcomes are met. So anyway, this is just a, just a kind of a brief thing that one of the things that we decided that we are going to do of course, we are also uh, heavily involved with the uh, madrasa reforms in which we want uh, all of those students also to come on to the national uh, mainstream through uh, 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 our national curriculum uh, so that their students can take FA and FSC exams and also find careers and opportunities which are uh, available to all other students. So, uh, I mean, this is one of the two, two, two or three things that we have been focusing on quality is a huge issue. Teacher training is a huge issue. And I'm glad that one of the subjects that you had, uh, and, and you know, what I'm, I don't know, I, I may be out of place over here by saying this is that uh, while absolutely fantastic analysis is made, the real challenge is that how do we convert that analysis and all the very wonderful ideas and what things should be and what things should not be how do we create them, uh, implement this thing? I mean, how do we create a mechanism, vehicles, where some of these fantastic ideas, some of these outstanding ideas, uh, the best in the world, how do you go around uh, implementing them? And that's where, that's the tough part, because uh, we can have uh, a fair amount of philosophical discussion about what schools should be, what should, but then when you come to the real world and you find, uh, lack of resources, lack of money, rural urban divides, low income, higher income divides, and uh, uh, poor teachers uh, training, etc. So, you know, these things really uh, make, a, make a, uh, you know, the challenge much greater. So we have to keep in mind that we 
uh, how do we translate these absolutely wonderful ideas into uh, into reality on the ground? So uh, the other discussion I thought, which was very interesting, at least to me, uh, and I'm sure to everybody else also, was the issue of technology. Because I think that, uh, and I'm no educationist, I'm a, essentially a politician, but uh, uh, I would say that uh, uh, technology is, is, is a kind of a gateway to leapfrogging, leapfrogging many of the problems that we talk about. For example, take teacher training. Uh, you could have uh, getting teachers to come to a building and sit there and away from the school for two, three weeks and TA, DA, this, that, and the other. Technology provides us an opportunity to uh, create individual training modules for each teacher through tablets, distribute tablets, monitor them from a distance. And instead of teachers coming to a particular uh, institution, they can be trained wherever they are. Similarly, adult education. Similarly, even in the in in the schools, you can have uh, you can have uh, the best possible uh, teaching, uh, or like for want of any other word, lecture or pedagogy, whatever. Uh, the best ones can be beamed into any school anywhere. I mean, there's a small gadget which costs about fifty thousand rupees, which is like a projector. You can project it on any wall. And you can, uh, you know, a lecture can be, uh, a lesson can be given to the students in a rural, remote area, provided there is internet. That's why we are working specifically on internet these days, and the Prime Minister himself is taking a lot of interest in that. So, I mean, technology, and without going into too much detail, uh, technology, to my mind, in a country like Pakistan, gives us huge opportunities. We have we have started a distance uh, learning uh, wing in our ministry. Uh, we are now uh, trying to, uh, we are having meeting with edtech companies, educational technology companies, so that new content is prepared. As you are aware, we started at any school within 15 days of the COVID as, as, as it hit us. Within 15 days, we, we went on air with the any school. And according to Gallup, about 70 to 80 lakh people, children, 7 to 8 million children every day are tuning in to tele school. And uh, this is an independent survey by Gallup. So I think uh, that was a good, uh, that, that was, uh, a, a, you know, a very important thing that we did very quickly. And uh, now we need to de develop it further. We have to have new content. We have to have, make sure, e even the, the Khan Academy, we are getting translated into Urdu so that uh, we are, uh, some of the Khan Academy lectures are also available. So anyway, a number of things, a number of ideas are of relating to technology are being discussed in our ministry, are we are moving forward. And uh, obviously, the IPMC, the Interprovincial Education Ministers Conference, has become a very alive institution, which has allowed the federal government, which is with, with its limited constitutional role, to be able to uh, move forward and, if I may say, um, take some leadership uh, for all aspects uh, of education. So I think uh, I'm, I've spoken too long. I'll stop here. And uh, maybe, you know, if there are any questions from uh, the eminent people uh, listening to this uh, webinar or from you, uh, I would be happy to answer. Okay, folks, I think you've heard the minister. If you have any questions, please raise your hands. Meanwhile, the minister, sir, can you please, as people raise their hands and decide who wants to talk first, can you just give us a very brief idea how do you expect in the 
new um, system to transition from the dominance of English to, to Urdu, as you said, or the local vernacular. And at the same time, when you've got, um, let's say, um, a variety of local systems, is the, is the unified curriculum going to be able to coordinate the, the, the kind of um, uniformity that is necessary, or will you still allow more variety to take place? You see, uh, uh, it, it won't happen in a day. I'm, I mean, I'm not saying it will happen in a day. But what we are, we have, we had a national conference on language because we wanted to uh, have this. Uh, all the experts come and guide us about the language issue. This was a very uh, specific uh, 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 thing that we wanted to discuss, and the outcome was interesting because I was thinking differently. But the outcome was that almost everybody advised us that uh, the language of instruction from grade one to five should be the language which a child can understand. So that should be the, 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 uh, the, the justification for whatever language you have. So what we decided was that uh, wherever Urdu uh, is spoken or is, is, is uh, you know, in, in, as they say in Urdu or uh, wherever it is uh, uh, being used, then use Urdu, but the promises have the freedom to decide. They can use, uh, for example, in Sin, they can use, uh, in most parts, they can use Sindhi. Uh, in other parts, we, we are interested in uh, student learning outcomes. We are not interested. Uh, so I think uh, in this way, uh, the learning outcomes should improve. Uh, the, and English will be taught as a language, not as a subject, but as a language. And Urdu will also be taught to everybody. And a ladder system is being planned. Uh, some of the curriculums already, uh, like the TCF, etc., have this, where as you go into senior classes, English is going to become more and more uh, the, the subject in which uh, various subjects are taught. But the grounding uh, would be in the language that the child feels the most comfortable in. Fair enough. Fair enough. Okay. Dr. Neela Mohsan uh, from the grammar school system. Dr. Neela Mohsan... Would you like to talk to the minister? Nadeem, are you talking to me or to Dr. Neela Musel? My Dr. hand Neela is up. Musel, I think she raised a hand. Which one of you now? This is the confusing bit. I've, I've raised my hand. The non-doctor okay. has. Okay, then go ahead. Then go ahead, I did Neela. Not. Yeah. Okay, uh, fine. My, go ahead, Neela. <laughs> my question, uh, I've been looking at the national curriculum and the fact that it stresses uh, fairness and that it is being designed in the interests of fairness and justice. Now, there are lots of things that can be discussed under this head, but the first thing that I want to call, talk about is, the, is religious education. The SNC does talk of providing or giving the opportunity of providing the space to non-Muslim minorities uh, to for to get their own you know get learning in their or knowledge about their own religions but when you compare the text there's one sentence or a couple of sentences for the non-muslim minorities and a very large component for the uh, muslim majority and okay the system says respect for each other's religions but if part of the Darse Nizami or the Muslim, uh, you know, teaching uh, approach to uh, Islamic teaching 
is to refute other religions or it is built into the system that any i mean any expression or any uh, nilam lots of people want to ask questions so can you make it okay, short okay 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 dusre mazhabon ko kitni jagah milegi jabki unke mazhab mein agar wo baat karenge agar unke basic principles conflict mein aate hain islam ke sath where will the leeway be i don't see that happening secondly i am concerned about the plan to induct qaris and each one qari one hafiz into every school across the board to teach them the nazra and qirat and memorization how will that impact a on the environment of the schools b it will be imposing two pedagogies on the children because on the one hand you talk of child friendly environments and inquiry based education and on the other we have a rote based learning that's an islami type of pedagogy at work it will let's go back to the minister let him okay. let him okay. answer okay how will that be managed i don't think it will work go ahead minister sir uh, i th- i think uh, uh, hmm. well nothing that we uh, begin by answering the second part first because this was uh, i don't know uh, where did this come from because we have never suggested that qaris we are not in the business of employing people or suggesting who should be employed we are a federal government the employment uh, in the provinces and private schools they will do their own employment we have never ever uh, made it a mandatory that qaris should be hired so this is a what's that right word that you know you create something and then you start shooting it down when it, nothing like that is there so this was a suggestion which came from some people that suggestion is not something that we have accepted why we have not accepted this is because it is not our business to suggest who should be hired and who should be employed that is up for, for up to the schools and somebody to and we certainly certainly have not uh, Uh, you know uh, mandated any such thing so i think let me uh, clarify nilam right at the beginning this particular part secondly okay, we have been for the first time i think we have repeatedly emphasized even the hadith and other uh, lessons in sociology etc talk about respecting others respecting others religions uh, we are even including or uh, the 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 religious holidays of other uh, religions as a part of something which every child needs to know so you know we have particularly focused on this that there should be respect for uh, uh, for the uh, other religions and and also for the first time instead of teaching ethics to uh, students uh, who are not muslim we have suggested that they must have their own study their own religion and therefore we asked dr P- uh, mr peter jacob to advise us on this that what should the christian students be studying what should be the hindu students be studying and so on so that we can have a curriculum which is uh, reflective of what they want to do and so uh, and as far as the 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 curriculum uh, for muslim students is concerned it builds on what was started in 2006 then there has been an act of parliament in 2017 during not our government before our government which says that quran and nazra is compulsory for all students and i don't think there is any need to be uh, you know defensive about it yes the, our pakistan uh, our majority vast majority of the parents want their children to be uh, educated in the basic tenets of islam but we have tried to make it as simple as possible and mr rafiq tahir uh, who is part of this uh, uh seminar will uh, will tell you exactly 
that uh, in the class one, there are very few, very short uh, things that a student should know. So we have tried very hard and, and we have also said that, that instead, if uh, Arabic becomes difficult, the translations can be read also. So in other words, uh, we have been very, very conscious of other religions, very conscious of diversity, very conscious of, uh, in every way, uh, we have made sure that our textbooks don't contain anything which is derogatory about anybody else, which does not distort our own religion. So, you know, that is why we're preparing model textbooks. So I think uh, while the concern is genuine, but I don't think uh, we, there is any particular uh, effort by the government to, you know, either, uh, you know, increase the, the level of uh, teaching of uh, uh, different subjects or uh, force uh, or, or, dis or discriminate against any religion. Thank you. Risham Najam of Grammar School, a director of the Grammar School, a young director now. Risham, can you please? Please, um, So, uh, Minister Saab, I think the intention behind the SNC is hard to argue to provide equitable education for each one of our children. Um, and there's no doubt that the current government has shown a commitment to education. Being a person who uh, studied and worked in education policy and then now has gone into um, working with a sizable school system um, for the last several years. Research has shown and my experience has been that people don't behave in the same way. Um, this is not to say that many best practices can't be replicated across uh, various learning institutions, um, but Pakistan you know, first decentralized its education system um, and came out with a new education policy in 2001. Um, and several years later, UNESCO found that one of the reasons it was not successful um, was that rather than being piloted, it was implemented um, across all regions simultaneously. So do you feel that piloting a program, studying what, what works what the be, um, and what does not, and then replicating best practices might not be more beneficial than making the policy widespread from day one? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think uh, on the face of it, there is, uh, this sounds like a very uh, good, reasonable idea. But, you know, uh, uh, the, mm. the policy graveyard is full of pilot studies in our history. And uh, I think that uh, one of the reasons why we haven't gone the, uh, you know, the, uh, the pilot route is because uh, uh, we want to get things going and we want to get things done. And otherwise, we'll just be doing pilots for years and years because there will be so many different pilots that are necessary. So I think we took a conscious decision that if we actually want to go ahead and do it, well, well, let's go ahead and do it instead of doing pilots. And secondly, the the NCC is a is a is a live, ongoing institution. If there are difficulties somewhere, it's not as if that there can't be any changes. Uh, mm. The review process will continue, but we are mm. we are committed to at the moment. Uh, I hopefully, with all things being equal, that by April 2021 we'll have uh, the class one to five, and I think. Uh, uh, good ideas that came from some of our educationists was that you start with class one, three, and five by introducing your uh, uh, curriculum. So I think that's probably we'll do by by April. Hmm. 
But Minister Sab, let me also ask you, um, we have talked quite extensively in the last four days on school governance, and especially school governance as it comes to the government sector. And there's a strong feeling that the governance, governance system in the public sector of schools needs to be localized and needs to be evolved and developed. So I think that's one important subject that I, I think we'd like to hear you, from you about. The second thing is, given that 60% of the schools are private, and there is now kind of a pushback against the large private schools, but there's also a large number of small private schools. In fact, the small private schools are providing education to something like, a, from what I heard yesterday, maybe 10 or 12 million students, which is a large number of students. So how can the government assist the small private schools to grow and to provide their entrepreneurs at work, how can they be helped to extend, or not just extend, but to improve the quality of their work? So the public-private partnership dimension also, I think it would be good to hear from you. I, I think this is a very important subject. And uh, in fact, one of the impacts of the school closure is going mm. to be on the low-fee low uh, private schools, which are the largest number of schools in the private sector and uh, because parents uh, many in many cases have stopped paying fees so many of them are going under i've taken it up with the governor state bank and uh, uh, we are trying uh, pushing it very hard that there should be some special package for uh, uh, for these institutions uh, the governor felt that uh, they already they have issued a you know policy or have a policy for uh, loans to small businesses and schools can also apply there but then there are collateral issues and other things i'm also now in the process of uh, trying to see if through the SAS program if we can uh, support some of the teachers who have lost their jobs uh, in in the private schools so i mean these are this is a very complicated uh, issue uh, uh, but i think uh, um, i i must confess that this was not uh, on the radar as much but after mm -hmm. the covid uh, emergency and all the fate of the low fee paying uh, low uh, paying uh, private schools is, is certainly become very very important mm -hmm. what about the management of your public schools i think the management of public schools has been debated uh, a great deal and uh, mm -hmm. i have personally always felt that the parents uh, uh, should be uh, involved in the, in the in the management of uh, schools, but then there were counter arguments that the uh, you know the, the the school headmaster should actually be the person gathering everybody. So uh, I I think uh, to cut a you know to to uh, to uh, you know come to the main point, I think the parents must have a role, and without uh, their role, uh, management uh, on just by teachers is not enough. Mm -hmm. Okay, let me bring in Abbas Rashid. A couple of uh, uh, quick points. One is um, uh, a point of clarification. Uh, so I'm, I'm, of course, very glad to, to know that uh, from one to five um, provinces are, are, are free to, to adopt uh, English as the medium of instruction. But no, 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 no. They're free to adopt Urdu or their mother language. Right, right. Urdu, sorry, yes. Urdu or the, or the mother tongue is the medium of instruction. But <clears throat> one of the documents that I had seen seemed to indicate that science and math 
should actually be taught in English. Now, it could be that that was a, a, a previous document and that has been revised, but I just wanted to be clear on that we're talking about all yes. subjects taught revised, in the revised. Right, it's been revised. Because the only way to teach English well and properly is, is to teach it, as you were saying, as a language and as a skill, rather than as a subject or as a medium of instruction. So that's, that's one thing out of the way. Right, the second okay. has to do with technology. Now, um, uh, you, uh, I know you've pushed back a little on, 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 on piloting, um, but um, uh, uh, in a way, I, I think it is better to give it a little time and, and then go ahead with a, with a large scale, uh, whatever enterprise. But in any case, I think, as you said, you've been in touch, you've been in touch with, with uh, edtech firms like Knowledge Platform, Teletaleem, Sabak. Now, I'm just wondering, what is that process of engagement? So I think maybe there is a need also when we talk about bringing technology in and a partnership between the government and the private sector firms like these, some which are doing very good work. Uh, what is the best form of partnership and engagements? Just like what is the best way of, of you know, producing a good quality textbook. So I think some of those things are, are kind of, since we are all agreed on the role of technology, um, what is the best way in your view um, of going forward? Okay. Well, uh, uh, thank you, Abbas. Uh, the first, uh, uh, I just want to elaborate a little bit. Uh, just to demonstrate that we don't have a closed mind. I mean, I originally thought that science and math, because that is going to be, you know, taught all the way through and sciences uh, should be taught in a language which uh, people are going to use later on, etc. But then we, when we had the national conference and everybody advised us against it and said that it's important that the concept should be understood by children and they won't understand it. And then I remembered that when I was in school, in class one, I understood absolutely nothing because I didn't know English. And I was uh, pushed into an English school, whereas I spoke Punjabi at home. So I, that uh, we have completely revised. Now English will be taught as a language and it will not have uh, any, uh, I mean, all of the subjects would be in the language that children can understand. The second point on and technology, uh, again, uh, the, there are many things which are evolving in this, but what we have done is that we have, uh, there are some donor supported projects which we are uh, which are coming in and through Lama Iqbal Open University and others what we are going to do is actually ask for edtech firms to come and bid for various projects of uh, developing content for various classes and so on and so forth. So we hope that through our federal government uh, uh, money uh, the edtech sector as a whole is going to sort of get up and become more and more proficient. And because we'll be putting uh, serious money into, uh, into, uh, uh, into content. And I think uh, that's where an opportunity will be uh, created for edtech firms to bid for them and develop uh, new content and also develop their abilities and so on and so forth. Okay. from Balochistan. Am I unmuted? Yes. Yeah, you are. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Minister Saab, uh, thank you for this opportunity to listening to you. And it's a great thing uh, that I'm talking to a minister for the first time in my life <laughs> of Minister <laughs> of Education Federal. This is great. 
what my concern here in your talk and discussion in the policy, maybe it is there and I have overheard, I did not hear it. What about the children we are, uh, who, are, who, are, who cannot go to schools? We are, we are limiting education to schools, but there's a huge majority that is outside the school who can, uh, in fact, no matter what we do, there will always be a significant number of uh, children who will never go to school or can't afford to go to school. We need to have a system of children who cannot maintain the regular formal educational system the way it is designed. It is designed, I think, from my experiences, uh, ever since Pakistan was created, it was designed on basis of exclusion. It is not really inclusive keeping in mind our, our population, the people of Pakistan. They are poor, they are working, they are isolated, they are in mountainous regions, they are in deserts. Where school, even if you provide the schools, they still don't go. I have been working in the schools, establishing the schools with all the facilities, but still they don't send their children to school. Why? Because of economic reasons. And that will always be there. So what do we do about that huge majority? Okay, I, I have been proposing, sir, I have been proposing to create an equalizer. Supposing there's a cobbler, a child who's making uh, shoes, a child who's producing something and has not been to school. Design a program that he has a fast track, a maths uh, vocabulary or English should do something and give him that credibility of a 10th grader, a certification because he already knows life skills. He's just missing some, some literacy skills. So we need to have a a fourth dimension too uh, for uh, for the exclusion excluded population who is going to remain a large number in near future too thank you okay fair enough ji i think it's a very good point and uh, out of school children are almost uh, uh, 20 million so which is a mm -hmm. massive massive number mm -hmm. and uh, mm -hmm. a huge indictment of our entire uh, effort over the last 70 odd years that so many children are out of school and we did an experiment in Islamabad where we identified 11,000 out of school children and we were able to enroll 7,500. But then we ran into a brick wall because particularly between the, the ages of 10 and 15, we found it very difficult for students to be retained in school because the parents, because of poverty largely, felt that uh, school was serving no purpose for their children and they wanted them to work and earn some money. So therefore, uh, I think some of the ideas that you're talking about are very important, life skills and all. We have excellent learning programs. Uh, you know, there are different ALPs that have been developed. Uh, we, I'm hoping that technology will be helpful in this uh, dissemination of uh, excellent learning programs. But also, very important is that uh, the life skills should be formalized and we have started to uh, now uh, going to have something like uh, called metric tech, where we are going to give vocational training uh, in selected schools and see how it works and in selected madrasas to students who are in the class 8, 9, 10. So that way, the life skills or uh, you know skills that vocational skills that children need and perhaps the parents who don't want their children to stay in school because they think that they need to earn might be persuaded that uh, keeping them in school and having the, them learn these skills will enhance their uh, their capacity uh, to survive better in life. 
so i think uh, this is something that is a very big area and we would be working closely with anybody who has ideas on this and we need to do something really serious about it so can i respond uh, uh, anadim sir aapki ijazat se go ahead ji uh, minister sahab if we, uh, it's a good idea but uh, if we do if we if we uh, you know motivate parents to bring the children to school in in some way or the other we have to have a program a budget for the compensation of opportunity cost if you pay if you pay the opportunity cost to the parents then only then you can have children in the school that's what we have and it was very successful we did it नहीं आप सही कह रही हैं लेकिन अब आप ओवरऑल अगर आप फाइनेंशियल सिचुएशन देखें और देखें कि हाउ मच मनी कैन बी सो आई मीन द आइडिया इज नॉट बैड कि बच्चों को पेरेंट्स को पे किया जाए टू सेंड चिल्ड्रन टू स्कूल बट इस किस्म के और भी आइडियाज हैं कि अगर आप स्कूल मील्स प्रोग्राम शुरू कर दें जिसमें आप बच्चों को खाना देंटिव फॉर फिर उसके अंदर देखना है कि वो करप्शन के हो जाएगा खाना शुरू करें तो फिर खाना सो यू नो देर आर सो मेनी इश्यूज इन इन्वॉल्व इन ये जो सब्सिडाइज यानी कि अगर खाना या पेरेंट्स को पैसे देने लेकिन ये वी विल वर्क ऑन दिस लेकिन ये थोड़ा सा अपार्ट फ्रॉम द रिसोर्स कंस्ट्रेंट इसके जो मॉडल है ना दैट हैज टू बी ए मॉडल दैट इज वर्कबल Nadeem sir i would propose a, a, again a five day webinar on uh, out of school children area because we, we are good idea. we are connecting good everything idea. education to school only the school is not the only way to educate kulturan sahib we will definitely do it we'll entertain all ideas we are not open to we are not close to ideas we're totally open to ideas so we'll do it inshallah so is series mein miss ho gaya inshallah agli bari hey, professor uh, professor nadeem ullah is doing a great job नेविगेटिंग थ्रू इट it's a very tough time and we do not know even 15 september will happen or schools may open and shut and i was just thinking with all the stress and lots of things that are happening certainly other time do you think it might be a good idea to push the academic year next year to august 1st so that it happens after the holidays and meanwhile children have a good chance to catch up um feel not so traumatized by having galloped through a curriculum finish the syllabus and you have a little bit more time breathing time to launch the uh, new curriculum in august or after the summer holidays rather than आपकी आवाज ठीक नहीं आ रही लेकिन
ओके गो हेड गो हेड मिनिस्टर साहब आंसर गो हेड जी आई थिंक आई गॉट द जस्ट अबाउट शी इज सेइंग आई थिंक इट्स एन इंटरेस्टिंग आईडिया मुझे तो बल्कि बहुत सारे लोगों ने ये भी कहा है कि व्हाई व्हाई डू वी हैव अ स्कूल ईयर स्टार्टिंग इन अप्रैल व्हाई कांट वी हैव अ स्कूल ईयर स्टार्टिंग इन सितंबर so that's one of the things that we are going about it's linked to exams and boards and how boards work and making sure that the results are in you know it's a, these are massive exercises that need to be done but i think it's an interesting idea uh let us see uh, i i i'll discuss it with the interprovincial in the interprovincial education ministers conference and we'll sort of see what people think but at the moment at the moment we are committed to september 15 uh opening but hmm. final decision will be on the 7th thank you let me quickly take minister sahab i know you have to go so just let me signal whenever you want to go because lots of people want to ask questions but let me bring in rubina sagal rubina sagal uh yes can you hear me Okay, okay. Um, I had a couple of questions, but I'll try to uh, keep them very brief. One is, of course, uh, the traditional allocation to education, which has never gone beyond 1.9, say less than 2% of our GDP. And how do we propose to improve the educational system across Pakistan uh, by allocating such few resources, which, as a result of which, we have. Uh, a very bad student teacher ratio where a class of 100 students is being taught by one teacher and in the 30 minutes available she can barely take the roll call when can she do all those activities and playway method and group making and all this is a practical question about the economy the political economy of our priorities uh, but the, the bigger question that i have is that uh, you say that this is a single national curriculum a uh, single and national sounds like a very very homogenizing term now we know that we live in a country which has not one but many nations living within it it is the kind of state that is composed of uh, lots of different nations as it is of different sects and neelam hussain has already talked about the religious aspect my concern is one about the sectarian differences if islamiyat and diniyat are catering towards one particular sect only because they mention the khulafai rashidin already i think that we are excluding the shiite population already we are uh, because obviously madrasas and religious education is by definition sectarian each madrasa teaches its own sect yeah, i think how will the, the yeah how will he uh, you deal with that and how will you deal with the fact that we have different nations and the only thing com- i guess one thing common between them are the fundamental rights uh, given in the constitution so why can't we have fundamental rights as the basis of our uh, civics curriculum these were my comments okay well on the uh, second part let me uh, uh, you know clarify that itihad e tanzim ul madaris is comprises of different uh, sects uh, Uh, it has uh, a Shia component. It has a Deobandi component. Ahle Hadith, Jamaat Islami. So, so the curriculum that has been signed off has been signed off by all uh, sects. And and for example, uh, where there are differences, they have not been included in the curriculum. Like Namaz, for example, uh, we have said that Namaz, bachek jo hai, wo ghar mein sikhenge. So that is because there are uh, differences regarding. Uh, 
the saying of uh, you know of prayer so uh, this has been uh, very very consciously carefully uh, crafted and we are very very conscious of this that there should not be any sectarian element in this in fact it has been repeatedly emphasized that if uh, that ev that a special focus has to be kept on the fact that there is nothing uh, no hate against any other religion against any other sect any other belief and so on so forth so i think on the second uh, on the earlier part i i may not entirely agree with the definition of different nations uh, we can talk about sub nationalities but uh, to say that we are a diff there are different nations existing maybe uh, i don't know that's not what i uh, would would do and there and and uh, we have to be believe that uh, in, if if we do and i'm sure we do in believe in democracy that if we are involving all the provincial government they are elected representatives of the people they are uh, elected representatives who represent those uh, sub nationalities or different language and different cultures who are uh, who have been who have elected them and and therefore i think uh, uh, if we believe that elected representatives have the right to speak on behalf of uh, the people then uh, i think all the elected representatives from all the houses including the national assembly and including all punjab kp etc they've all been uh, included and they've signed off on uh, things i mean even when there are been one or two differences we've tried to overcome them so in that sense uh, without going into a philosophical debate about uh, you know uh, nationalities and what their aspirations are i would say that democracy uh, encompasses within it the aspirations of all the people within the country and this is a democratic exercise in which everybody is participating okay this is up two more questions and i'll let you go i know you are in a rush shanaz wazir ali shanaz thank you very much um, nadeem and um, it's um, very encouraging to have uh, minister shafkat mahmood sahab here listening to a group of uh, a summary basically of what we've all been discussing and thrashing out of the last 4 or 5 days um you know um many thoughts about uh how to move on reform major significant change in the education sector both for private sector and for public sector i'm not going to go into uh, the micro level details of uh, what what your what your plans are with regard to teacher training etc etc my question is a larger uh, shafkat sahab a larger macro level question that you know as we are all seeking to bring about a significantly different paradigm shift in the education sector in pakistan and we are seeking of course to propose that there should be a collaborative arrangement between private sector and public sector how are you seeing the government reskilling itself how what sorts of new sets of skills competencies professional approaches do you see if you could redraw the map of your uh, the design of your ministry and if provinces could redraw uh, the structures and systems of their departments what would be some significant changes that you would like to bring about because the same set of people working for the last so many years delivering a particular public sector education and regulating the private sector is not going to bring about the type of significant change that we would all like to see and i'm sure you would like to see sure. thank you thank you shanaz i think that's a very very important point and 
the fact is that change is not easy and and you know whenever uh, those who are entrenched in the system probably have been working with it for a long time and for to expect them to uh, do a, a complete paradigm shift is not easy and i i think that uh, at least at the policy level we can begin by getting more uh, professionals into our uh, uh, into our planning uh, process i mean uh, um just to give you an example in my own ministry there may be one or two people who have long experience of education and education management but really apart from one technical advisor whom we have recruited as a specialist most of us are not specialists we are people who have uh, you know who come from diverse backgrounds and and you know how the bureaucratic system works people get posted and people get posted out and uh, that's probably true of uh, is true of all the provincial governments also so i think what we need to do is to have a more professional cadre within the education sector who understand all the intricacies of the system the more difficult and the more complex part is the second one which is that you have a large number of people who have been involved in in the state sector in uh, managing education at the local level and at the you know at the secretariat and here and there and to expect them to completely overhaul their thinking and completely come up with new ideas uh, obviously is asking a bit much now how do you how do you completely revamp uh, uh, hundreds of thousands of people who are uh, all over the place uh, i think that would require uh, a lot of effort and that is a more complicated part if i may just make one more quick comment i don't think we're asked looking at a system which will be completely restaffed but i'm talking more about um altering the role of federal government and the provincial government departments what should their role be in the future if we are saying we are not going to be looking at inputs which so far our education system is very much about inputs build schools appoint teachers provide textbooks but it's really not looking at learning outcomes and this is one minor one example i think is a central example so if you want the government's role to change the role should be a role which builds partnerships which looks at innovation around in other countries and what is happening within pakistan that allows the government to adopt new practices so if you're going to look at a change in the role of government i i would suggest at some point that this would be an important discussion to have uh certainly i don't think you can replace you know suddenly i have uh, more than 2 300000 teachers leave uh, their jobs or restaff all secretaries but definitely role definition is required you know sometimes change comes through disruption and some sort of some level of disruption has to take place in in our thinking and i say our because really we're in it all together public sector and private sector this there are huge advantages that private sector brings and there are of course uh, huge state systems that the public sector has so i would strongly leave with you the thought that please do look at a continuing set of engagements not just the single national curriculum but much beyond that oh no, i agree uh, ashanaz you've had a you know a lifetime of experience of working in education and you are one of the mm-hmm. top uh, professionals in the country so i i entirely uh, agree with what you are saying and we will uh, uh, we are to some extent already working on some of the ideas that you to give it more attention absolutely hmm. okay neelam hussain dr neelam hussain another commitment so 
So last question. Last question. If you can take this. Last question, then we'll let you go. Can you hear me? I said last question and we'll let you go. Can you hear me? Oh, I think we've kind of lost the minister. Can you hear us now? Uh, I, I think I lost your voice briefly. Uh, Nadeem, can, can you, you hear us now? Yeah, I said last yeah, I question. Last question, Dr. Neelam Hussain. Go ahead. Neelam. Dr. Neelam Hussain, now you wanted to ask. Go ahead. Neelam, can you hear me? Neelam, you have to unmute yourself. I guess she can't hear me, so that's okay. Then, uh, Minister Saab, I'll thank you very much. I think it was a good engagement. You wanted to. Fair enough. No, no, thank you very much, Minister Saab. We will let you go. You have been, mashallah, very cooperative. You answered all the questions. We'll turn to Mr. Rafiq Tahir now. Minister Saab, thank you very much. We'll bid you goodbye. Thank you. Can you thank hear me? Thank you very much. Thank, thank you for inviting Mr. me. Thank you. Rafiq Tahir Saab. Is Rafiq Tahir Saab here? Di, Rafiq Tahir Saab. No, sir. Uh, Rafiq Tahir Saab hasn't joined so far. He hasn't joined. Okay. Okay. Ambreen, is Ambreen here? Ambreen wanted to say something? Yes, Achha, I'm here, Nadine. Go ahead. Go ahead, Ambreen. RF is also with the Ministry of Finance. She's an ad Sorry, Ministry of Education. She's also an advisor. G. Ambreen Saab, go ahead. Gee, uh, Nadeem, thank you for invite uh, for having these discussions. Sorry, I couldn't join earlier, uh, but I thought the topic that you had for today, uh, going uh, the way forward, is something that definitely requires uh, a, a lot of uh, further discussion. Shehnaz very rightly pointed out the governance aspects, and those governance aspects, unless and until we address them, we are not going to have any uh, change in our education system. We usually look at education from a top-down uh, approach. We are looking at curriculum reforms. We are looking at um, uh, textbook reforms, but we are not looking at what is happening inside a school. I'll give you an example. We had about five years, um, more or less five years of a CM sitting with development partners and looking at data every single day of one of the largest provinces of Pakistan. And despite doing that on a quarterly basis, we still did not see any change at the school level because we were looking looking at the issues from the provincial perspective and not at the school level. So we have to look at how schools are governed at the district level, the large public sector approach, and uh, we have to move towards school-based management uh, and school-based leadership. We've had many, many pilots where work on um, head teachers, principals, brings a change at the school level. We have examples of divisional public schools that work, which have a good board, but we are not taking those examples and building on them to improve the schools from within. Uh, a couple of, uh, I'll use this opportunity to also answer a couple of questions that were raised. 
Kuratul M from Balochistan talked about accelerated learning programs giving opportunity to young children uh, who are not in the confines of a school uh, boundary wall to get education. So just wanted to uh, let the audience know that we are working on, uh, on a program of accelerated learning. We've, we have a national education, um, uh, uh, sorry, non-formal education partners group at the ministry mm -hmm. level. They've looked at the accelerated learning curriculum of all the provinces, and we hope that we will be able to digitize and uh, offer certificates for that. So that is something that we will be working on. Um, and if there is any advice on that, we look forward to that. Uh, Abbas talked about looking at public-private partnerships for um, edtech companies. And that is something that uh, we have also started working on. And we have a smaller group. Dela, who was uh, talking earlier, is part of that group. And we'll be formalizing the terms of references for that edtech tech group to look at how a government partnership with edtech companies can improve what we are doing in teleschool or distance learning or uh, schools without boundaries kind of an approach. So those are some of the things that I wanted to add on to. But I think if we have to talk about uh, 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 looking at a forward looking um, perspective, we have to take into account what Shanaz Wazir Ali just said about governance and looking at how we do reforms differently. We have fancy people who come uh, with their laptops at the top level, uh, while at the school level, we do not even have toilets or boundary walls. So that's something that we have to look at. Uh, for education reforms. So, Ambreen, tell us what are you doing about it? You're in the ministry now. So, with the minister gone, Mr. Rafiq not here, you have to answer the questions now. Please tell us. School governance, the minister also did not fully answer that question. Why are the provincial ministries managing schools? Why are they transferring teachers? Why are they posting teachers? This is something that we started discussing when I was 25 years old. Now I'm 70. So that's a long period of time that any reform should be implemented in 45 years. Now, why can't it be done? Ji Amreen. I guess she's not going to answer it. Okay. Ji Neelam, the minister's gone. Go ahead, Neelam Hussain. Dr. Neelam Hussain, your mic is unmuted, not unmuted. Your mic. Neela Mike. Okay. Ah, there so, it is. Sorry. Uh, I lost power and I really apologize for that. No problem. There were no some problem. very pragmatic problems with regard to uh, private education. You know, in our previous uh, discussions, we have been saying continuously that Pakistan needs to connect to the 21st century in learning and in occupational opportunity. Now, the social aspects of education, which are about uh, providing uh, a fair audience to uh, provincial languages, which is about economic equity, etc., has to look alongside at the fact that by doing this uh, change in curriculum, we 
this, uh, the educational institute I uh, represent in, at all levels, from preschool to A-levels, to O-levels, A-levels, and University of London, has to ascribe to Western standards of learning, which, as we have talked previously, from which accrue the real jobs in the world. The only platform from which Pakistan can connect to the 21st century, to some modicum. Now, as a practitioner, there are certain things I think we should consciously be prepared to lose out on. One of them is that as soon as every school, especially those which offer foreign exam and whose parents have a different set of aspirations, opportunities, and means, the first thing they will do is withdraw children because this thing about first the curriculum being changed, which is not linear, either horizontally or vertically to the requirements of the O and A-level and the University of London examination. So they, are, they, they don't belong in that uh, elementary section. The second thing that will happen is that there will be a lot of people who will simply migrate to countries which offer first world opportunities of education. Now, who are the people who can migrate and have a choice in 21st century education? The educated professional people in Pakistan. There will be such a huge brain drain. If I had to choose... Neil, I appreciate my... what you're saying, but solve the problem as well. well Look, the minister is right. The government no, is it, right. You've got an extremely... The problem lies in choices. What do we do? The problem lies in choices. In democracy, mm -hmm. you must have choice. If somebody wants their child to get a 21st century education because they themselves are very proficient professionals or researchers or doctors, we, we should not uh, subvert that. That choice should exist alongside the choice for equalizing in, in, the, in the various permutations of problems we have in education, language, and ideational control. So what I'm okay. simply saying is, let those schools coexist. Because, you know, I have seen that when people migrate, and these are world-class professionals, scientists, doctors, professors, the first thing that puts them off is the, the standard of schooling their children will not come, get if they're in a school in Pakistan. So a pocket to chodena to service the professionals, فارورڈ The way I look at it is, unfortunately, we are still sitting with the same mess that we were sitting with when I was 25 years old. And I think in my grandchildren's time, it will be the same thing. The most important thing is what Chanaz also said, that look, when is the education professional going to change? And I won't say just in the ministry, as Chanaz said. I think education professionals outside too, because too many... of these policies have been made by the committees the kind of committees and conferences that shafkat talked about 
that, hey, we all sit together and make a policy. But the policy eventually does not turn out to be right. So please try and come to some kind of a conclusion. Go ahead, Amreen Gilani. Yes. So when we're talking about the way forward for education, I think we have to bring in all the different things that we've been discussing over the last four days, actually, and more. So yes, of course, school level governance, school management at the school level, governance overall at the provincial district, all of those levels, extremely important to improve the public school system in terms of, I mean, quality, access, all of that, right? But in that debate, we also look, have to look at the low fee schools, which are, um, you know, which have great potential in the country because they've been attracted a lot of children over the last few years. So how is it that we can actually raise their quality also? What kind of inputs need to go there? What kind of support? Not huge support, but like, for example, yesterday when we were talking about technology and how they're open to adopting uh, this low cost technology and improving their quality, they're improving their outcomes. So looking at how those schools can be provided support and provided some kind of minimum standards, which we, probably the single national curriculum is bringing in. And so that at least there's some uniformity in what these different types of schools are teaching, what at each grade level the children are learning. Then in addition, what we need to do going forward is come up with frameworks for public-private partnerships. Yes, we have really good models in isolation, but how do we bring some of those models into the public schooling system? How, do, how does that partnership take place and move forward? I mean, are we just going to be stuck at the piloting phase or are we going to go forward from that and take anything to scale? Then in terms of ed tech, yes, I mean, of course we, can, we cannot go towards technology completely, but we have to have blended solutions like proper blended solutions in which we bring in the teachers, but we bring in, of course, tablets and the curriculum that has been uploaded. Teacher training also has been done a lot through technology. So how do we incorporate all of that? And how does the government take a lead in all of these things? Now the MOE has become quite active lately, right? We all know that. So how can they incorporate a lot of these things and lead the way, but bring in the private sector, bring in the nonprofit sector. So mm -hmm. the move forward is actually looking at all these different dimensions that we've been speaking about and see how we bring all the players together, how the government takes a lead, and how we take some of these things to scale. Okay. Sundus Raza? Sundus Raza? Hi. Assalamu alaikum. Um, you go ahead. I have, I have like um, uh, two points which I just want to raise here very quickly. Uh, you all are talking about um, uh, inclusion of technology and Terry schooling and all this thing. During COVID, there is a massive shift toward the online education. And me being uh, sitting in a very developed country with a very fast internet connection and every resources at my end find it very difficult to teach my son online at home all the time. We have to consider the fact that school also have a very, um, uh, very hidden uh, function of uh, child minding facilities also. I mean, you send your uh, ch a child to a school for eight, nine, good eight, nine hours, and they act as a very good uh, child minding facilities also. So you have to keep in mind that uh, me being a PhD, I, it's, it was really difficult for me to juggle uh, my work and teaching my son. So there are now very uh, recent studies which shows that how parents are impacted by the fact when you totally switch on to the online education. And mind this fact that online education is not good for all level of schooling. I mean, for, for preschool level, it's a totally mess. You cannot teach five-year-old or three-year-old with the online system. Yeah, it will be good for, uh, for, for, a, for a secondary school student or for a university student. 
but it doesn't work for all secondly one point which we totally missed in in this whole debate because we are talking about the education our foreign missions or embassies don't involve in educational diplomacy missions are sitting in foreign countries they don't create any linkages with the universities i mean why there are so much embassies outside pakistan if they don't or is on this we have an edu education counselor in almost every embassy they are but they don't create any linkages i can see india doing lot of educational diplomacy but not pakistani entering a big big experiment in our educational system and i wonder if uh, there is uh, and maybe amreen can respond to this if there is any um, plan for the ministers uh, education ministers conference to map the difference in learning outcomes pre experiment and post experiment because i don't think that such a big experiment has ever been carried out in which the mother tongue is going to be used to teach children from all subjects from class 1 to 5 and a lot of other components so at least um this webinar has brought home the reality that we are really entering a new era okay. of uh, educational experience thank okay. you um sara nazamani assalam alaikum sir uh, sir mm -hmm. i wanted to ask the minister that uh, he was mentioning again and again that the aim of single national curriculum is is that that the the outcome should be equal that it should be that everybody should be equal but if we look at the determinants of learning outcome it is not only what is being taught it is on also how is it being taught who is teaching it where is it being taught so how can a single determinant of national single singular curriculum fix all these questions sir um i don't think sir the government has answers to any of these questions and they do not have the capacity to change these so instead of going up they're just going to drag everybody down and that's how everybody is going to be equal and secondly sir in order for singular curriculum to be accepted across all the boards i know compromise on content has to be made and we know that compromise is not good for quality sir sir i am a student i know that our students cannot compete on basics such as reading writing arithmetic science on any international level sir so sir do we really need more religion when i teach when our children have the opportunity to learn it at home why not give them qualities that can actually uh, make their chances of uh, succeeding at life making their Thank incomes you. better sir we should be sir i think yes, we got sir. your point thank you sir Aktas, I mean, I'm. Can you hear me, sir? Yeah, go ahead quickly. Okay, so thank you for this opportunity. A kitab had a child in state in India by a political scientist, Myron Weiner. 
जिसमें वो एक रिसर्च करता है पांच कंट्रीज के ऊपर जापान जर्मनी इंग्लैंड और दो उसमें ब्रिटेन और दो और हैं तो उसमें जो बात सामने आती है वो ये है कि बहुत सी कंट्रीज हमसे भी बहुत गरीब थी जब उन्होंने ये मैथ एजुकेशन की तरफ वन दे मूव इन इन रियल टर्म्स तो वो इस चीज को हाईलाइट करता है कि असल जो रीजन है ना कि वो है द बिलीव सिस्टम्स इन सोसाइटी दैट ऑपरेट जहाँ जब गरीब के बच्चे की तालीम की बात आती है तो आई थिंक हमने स्टेट की भी बात की हमने मार्केट की भी बात की लेकिन एक चीज जो हम मिस कर गए वो था कि सोसाइटी के अंदर किस किस्म के बिलीव सिस्टम्स या बिलीव ऑपरेट करते हैं कल्चरल क्या तो उसके ऊपर हम कैसे काम करेंगे कि 22.8 मिलियन चिल्ड्रन आर आउट ऑफ स्कूल मिनिस्टर साहब के पास कोई प्लान नहीं है उसको एड्रेस करने का 50 मिलियन वैसे बच्चे स्टूडेंट्स हैं सिस्टम के अंदर और ट्वेंटी आर आउट ऑफ स्कूल तो ये एक बहुत ही बड़ा लम्हा फिक्री है हमारी सोसाइटी के लिए इसके ऊपर कुछ काम करने की जरूरत है ऑन एन इमरजेंसी बेसिस और यार इसके ऊपर काम हो रहा है जब से मैं बच्चा था इसको छोड़ दे इसके ऊपर बचपन से बात हो रही है हर कोई खून के आंसू होता है कि हमारे बच्चे स्कूल में नहीं है मेजर करो मेजर करो छोड़े ना यारोकोडाइल ये क्रोकोडाइल टीयर्स बंद कर दे हम नहीं चाहते बच्चे पढ़े अच्छा जी राबिया शाह लास्ट क्वेश्चन इसके बाद कोई नहीं मैं लूंगा राबिया शाह मैंने जो उसमें मैथ और इंग्लिश के जो लर्निंग आउटकम्स देखे हैं मुझे नहीं पता के आजकल के आपके टॉप प्राइवेट स्कूल्स भी वो आउटकम्स अचीव कर सकते हैं इतना आसानी से या नहीं बट वेर आई डिफर विद ऑल दिस यस वन आई थिंक के उसमें रिलीजन कुछ ज्यादा ही ज्यादा कर दिया है एंड आई हैड लिसन टू दिस अदर आई बिलीव इट वाज अनदर डिस्कशन वेर डॉक्टर चुपताई हेड साइड के नहीं हमने रिलीजन जो है इस्लाम और हर चीज से उर्दू से इधर से उधर से पाकिस्तान साइड से निकाल के हमने इस्लामियात में डाल दिया है सो उसका बेसिक वो ही है बट आई थिंक दैट इज रॉन्ग क्योंकि अपेरेंटली बाई ग्रेड फाइव बच्चे को पूरा कुरान पढ़ने आना चाहिए और काफी सारी उसमें हिफ्स भी है और हदीस भी है चले एक तो वो बात हो गई कि जी रिलीजन और हम सब ने कुरान ओके दिस इज अपिंग स्टेटमेंट बट एवरीबडी आई हैव ड्रोन अप विथ हम सब ने कुरान घर ही में पढ़ा था तो उसको स्कूल में ले जाने की मुझे नहीं मालूम कि कितनी जरूरत है दूसरी ये बात कि जहाँ पर पाकिस्तान स्टडीज और सोशल स्टडीज और ये सारा कुछ आ जाता है आई एम अ फर्म बिलीवर दैट आवर स्ट्रेंथ एज अ नेशन इज इज द डाइवर्सिटी दैट वी हैव एंड टू इम्पोज यू नो यस फिगर हेड्स और इम्पोर्टेंट पर्सनैलिटीज सच एज मोहम्मद अली जना एंड इकबाल आर इम्पोर्टेंट बट आई थिंक इग्नोरिंग लोकल हीरोज is not the way forward so i think bringing it down to district level letting uh, at least the provinces decide uh, what they want to teach their children is of utmost utmost importance otherwise hoga kya even if we were to even if we were able to get these 23 million children and more into schools hoga ye ke some years down the road हमारे ये मसले मसाइल और ही बढ़ते जाएंगे कि जी ये सुपीरियर है वो सुपीरियर है सो आई थिंक दिस सिंगल नेशनल करिकुलम 
um, if if they were to just limit it to math, English, you know, the three R's, so to speak, because they're not going anywhere, whatever we might think. Um, okay. uh, let the others, you know, let the provinces and other okay, local yeah, government got, decide what they want to do. Okay, okay great. We've got your point. Okay, uh, let me just now in closing, ask you just a few questions, our panel of experts. I don't think the single national curriculum is going anywhere. It doesn't matter. Uh, we've had many experiments in Pakistan. We've had many experiments in Pakistan. No problem. We've had Zia's experiment. We've had this experiment, that experiment. It doesn't matter. We will continue to do what we will do. It will be done badly. That's all. But it doesn't matter. But let me ask you a simple question, all of you experts. We don't have a culture of learning as we started off saying at the beginning. In this webinar, the webinar that we have, we find participation is always low. Yes, we got 125, 150 people, but divide that by 220 million, it's nothing. When I go to a seminar in America, physical seminar in the US or UK, there are five, 600 people easily and more, maybe a thousand people. Even in bookstores, book readings have four or 500 people. We have no learning culture. Second, I've got, I interviewed, as I said, 100 students today, and I discovered two or three things very important. One, they don't read. They are not learners at all, period. And we've got Zainul Abidin here, um, uh, uh, HEC person, Zain Sab, I haven't questioned you before, but I want to bring you in now, if you will talk about it. None of our students read. Our university students, our graduates, MPhils, MAs, they proudly say we don't read. They proudly say that the only reason I want to study further is because I don't have a job. So yes, we'll offer everybody single national curriculum. Where are the jobs? I didn't ask Shafkat this deliberately, but I think it's important. Where are the jobs? If there are no jobs, what are we doing? Creating more PhDs without jobs? Because half the students who came today to seek a PhD, they were 28, 30 years old. And they were only studying more because they found that they can't get a job. So they felt they should study more. Now, two things. A, we don't have a culture of learning. Two, we haven't communicated our, to our kids learning. And we are just saying, okay, go ahead, language, this, that, etc. We are talking about it. Yet, despite all the education experts, and I read so many education experts nowadays, everybody's got a, a PhD or an MA in education from Harvard. And everybody's advising the ministry. So we are not creating a culture of learning. We are creating education people who got World Bank jobs, who are development professionals, and our students don't have a job. So please tell me, where does all this fit in? Solve the puzzle for me. Put the jigsaw together. Then Allah Abidin Saab, pehle aap batayye. Thank you very much, uh, Dr. Nadeem. So actually, uh, I've been listening to all of you, this discussion during I the know. I, I compliment you on that, Zansab. You've been here every day. I haven't bothered you. Sometimes I have to uh, switch off uh, because of some other reasons, actually. So, uh, I mean, my impression about uh, the things that you have just mentioned, especially about the reading culture, actually, is that uh, this is a serious problem, especially in our education system. And uh, one of the things that uh, I also feel, I mean, we uh, have recently... Uh, given training to some of our PhD graduates actually as part of our initiative at NAHI and uh, but we found out that uh, there was one question that was asked to uh, a batch of like 50 or 60 PhDs actually uh, that which 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 one is the recent book that 
you have learned or you have at least studied uh, in the past year or so actually and majority of them have actually answered nothing the ones who have uh, uh, answered in uh, positive they said that they have read shahab nama so i mean that's <laughs> the kind of problem so uh, it's a real problem actually but uh, the other thing that i also wanted to write raise here actually i know you have been discussing uh, this uh, finland's model of uh, education as well i think actually if we, if you look at the education at the very early stage actually especially this uh, monastery stage we are putting too much burden on our kids as well so that's that is also something that actually some somehow um, i would say kill the creative thinking and the learning process uh, in the kids from in the very beginning years actually and we are putting too much pressure on our uh, children as well so that's another area that we might have to look at that why are we actually starting our kids to learn about uh, very difficult subjects actually at the age of 3 or 4 years old and why why can't we delay that process to maybe a few more years actually so that's i would like to hear comments from other experts uh, in the panel here actually um what what are their experiences and how would they like to uh, see that so any of our experts will tell me abbas sir will you tell me who will tell me that rasham are we supposed to give kids educations to be our servants where are the opportunities why should these kids get an education from you guys neelam anybody can i just have a quick word nadeem please okay i think i would like to endorse to begin with um, zainul abidin sahab's point Uh, we kind of front load uh, our uh, uh, you know system too much with with difficult things with ki ye bhi kar lo wo bhi kar lo panchvi tak sara kuch jo hai wo ya aadha kuch ho jaye jo bhi humne seekhna hai so i think that's a very important point uh, over stress on on passing uh, exams uh, uh, also encourages rote learning it adds to the burden and when you start perceiving education as a burden it's no longer an exercise in exploration it is no longer an adventure there is nothing endearing about education um and i think when uh, uh, it's the point but that you raise about culture nadeem is the very important one um uh, and i think a lot of this has to do with teaching and learning to the test libraries hoti thi if you remember in 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 the neighborhood there were libraries in schools so all of those things have Uh, now uh, 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 gone away, or, or in in most cases, and so the whole idea of recreating a culture means that, especially if you're talking about children, is is that you have to uh, you have to create more stories. You have to sort of engage children to begin with. So it's not just books. Also, when we talk about technology, when we talk about um, uh, 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 any of these things, we talk about television, radio. 
so you have to bring children back from where they are where you know reading is is no longer on 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 the cards so i think this whole business of focusing on exams and i think that is where while we all of us are stressing technology as we must and should but the point is that that you could have a classroom which is technologically very well equipped but at the same time and now i'm giving you a concrete example i have been to uh, uh, to more than one school where they have the tech support but there is virtually no library to speak of and children are freely uh, teachers are freely admitting that children don't really uh, read books so i think that is again the kind of challenge that we have that we have to get a lot of things in shape before this culture comes back aur uske bagair na technology kuch karegi na teacher kuch karegi thank you chale ji last words by the panel then we'll close i think anybody anybody wants to say anything uh, to me now nadeem if i can i make a quick comment i, I don't think it's apropos of the last uh, issue raised on uh, by abbas and but you know talking about disruption we were to, you were talking about degrees and you were talking about the quality of students that are going into phd and you know i mean i think it was just yesterday's news or a cup and has come out even before that that google has categorically announced that it does not need degrees is not looking for degrees when it's going to get get jobs and in fact just recently announced a six month certificate course through coursera which is going to cost a person 50 dollars a month and in 6 months the person is going to be equipped to get a job which can range between $75,000 to $100,000 you know so the world is really changing very very fast and we are really much behind the curve on this and now all the new ones you know that that club of the uh, facebook and uh, netflix and uh, uh, and the others faa and g um uh, they are also moving in that direction so if this will be a big blow to higher education in the west especially in america because there'll be lots of young people who will have just finished high school or maybe have done a year or two of college and they'll go into taking up coursera six month certificate courses so the world is changing very very rapidly and i think this is one of the central questions for pakistan we still very much in the old mode of um, bringing about change and reform so I, i'm beginning to really look increasingly at what some of our younger members have been talking about how can technology technology is a platform like uh, zulfikar saab said it's a platform is it helps you to do certain things but what do we want to do with it it is not the solution it's just the medium to a solution mm-hmm. and uh, i think that you know we need some very very radically different types of thinking going on within public sector and private sector it can only be through collaboration Uh, the innovativeness and the experimentation and the entrepreneurship is all sitting in the private sector it's not sitting in the public sector. public sector is iterative it does the same thing again and again we, like us uh, let me let me also check i think do we have nafisa shah with us i thought i saw her ji nafisa shah are, are you here or not or have i missed it i thought she was here no she's not here okay fair enough amreen bibi i think i'll give you the last word since you are from the ministry and then we'll close it amreen amreen can you speak on behalf <laughs> of the ministry ji thank you very much speaking on behalf of the ministry thank you for organizing these debates although i wasn't able to participate in all of them but i've been following the conversation on whatsapp you've touched on huge issues and um 
uh, very honestly, there are some issues that are not just in the education, embedded in the education sector. They are beyond the education sector in the governance and the institutional reforms as well. Um, I'll give you an example. We try to get a better leader for the Federal Directorate of Education that manages 430 schools in ICT. And it took us one year to get the, uh, the rules and the regulations adjusted to get the kind of person who would be a good leader for those 430 schools. That is the amount of time that it takes to sort out the bureaucratic hurdles that surround education and not just education, also health. Um, uh, Pakistan is obviously going to uh, move at a snail's pace. So those are some of the issues that we have to resolve um, uh, and work on. Uh, we, uh, we keep talking about uh, the teacher not doing this in the school or, uh, you know, learning not happening at the school level. But unless and until we focus on the energies of the teacher and what they are learning, I don't think that we would make any change at the school level. At the federal ministry of education level, we've started looking at the 423 schools in detail and we've started working on small reforms that we hope will target the school and will be from the school lens and not from the top um, uh, lens uh, from from the top level um, uh, unfortunately uh, or fortunately in this case um, uh, we haven't had the opportunity to look at the reforms that are happening at the provincial uh, level. There are many, many reforms on teacher management and other aspects that are happening in all the provinces. I think that uh, one thing that PAI could do is make a list of all those reforms that are happening for many, many years. There are MNE reforms, there are teacher management reforms. Where are they going, how they are going, and why they are not producing the results that we uh, keep lamenting about? Um, that's all for now. Thank you. Thank you very much, folks. I think we've had a great five days of discussion. Uh, it's been enjoyable, it's been fun. But I must say, I end on a depressing note because I don't see any change happening. I don't think anything much will happen. We'll continue to muddle along in a bureaucratic malaise. Everybody thinks, and Abbas Rashid here is my constant enemy on this, that I preach the market. I don't preach the market. I definitely don't preach the market. But when I see a government that is incapable of doing anything except dithering, what should I do? You talk about public-private partnerships, but we need two equal partners. If the government is just stuck, stuck in dithering bureaucratic detail, incapable of learning, incapable of participating, as I keep pointing out to you, We've had five webinars on education and from the provincial and the federal ministries, there is hardly anybody. In fact, none. Ambreen is the only one who came today. Nobody attended. Zainal Abedha, and I must say, HEC, he sat through all of them. Why does this happen? In the West, if Oxford or Cambridge held these webinars, how many secretaries do you think would turn up? In the US, if this webinar was held at Georgetown, you'd see half of the education department sitting there and engaging. Also, our education experts also, I must say the attendance, we've taken attendance of the, of the panelists that we begged to come and we've seen how many of them want to participate. They want to participate in donor managed webinars, seminars where they can get $500 a day or something and work 
under an Adam Smith international white person. That is the culture we've got, ladies and gentlemen. Let's not blame anybody. We don't have a culture of learning. We don't have a culture of debate, understanding. We want to pontificate and not listen. I've worked with, I hate to say it, I've worked with 10 Nobel Prize winners. And I've sat through their workshops. Gary Becker, the man who invented the term human capital, for 50 years conducted his webinar, his seminar every Tuesday, and he never missed one. And he was always listening, never speaking. This is the culture of learning that we have to have. Here, HEC Zansab, this is what I wrote in my book too, and I repeat it. HEC has not created a culture of learning because there are no webinars, seminars, and nobody wants to attend them. It's a culture of examinations. And that examination, the Bas Rashid is right, that culture of examinations where a student told me the other day on Twitter that your examination system is gamed at the photocopying machine downstairs because we get everything from the photocopying man. So that's the culture we've created, ladies and gentlemen. Students come to me looking for a job, looking for this, but they are not ready. And I'm afraid we have failed and there is no thinking, no fresh thinking. We all have to get out of our silos and start to think again, start to come together to learn. But if you can't do that, yes, it's wonderful to sit in Punjab club, but can we come together to learn as we do to drink? Thank you very much, folks. All the best. We shall do it again. We shall take this up again. We shall take other topics up again too. We'll tr keep trying. Pide will keep trying. I hope we can engage people. Thank you all. I thank you from, from the bottom of my heart for helping us. Thank you. All the best. We've learned a lot.